the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's move into a Tuesday show. Elizabeth is with us. How are you this morning, ma'am? Are you in a, in good shape? How was your Monday? Uh, my Monday was great, and my Tuesday is better. It's okay. just a beautiful morning. Yeah, Tuesday is kicking in. It's going to be mostly sunny and beautiful today. All day long, sun, 78 degrees today. A little rain tomorrow. A little rain Thursday, then it'll get out of here. We'll have some sun in the afternoon, 72 for high, then back to rain on Friday. So we got the April showers, bring May flowers uh, going on. You know, yesterday, uh, you may uh, remember I was talking on the show about what if and even if, and uh, that came out of a woman who was talking at a women's conference at New Life Church in Conway. Her name was Ellen. I've got the segment, and I want to play it today. So I'm going to start with that as fast as we can. So this is, uh, this is Ellen, and uh, she is at uh, New Life Church in Conway. This is about a year, year and a half ago. It is the most listened to segment on their Facebook page at New Life Church. Full disclosure, I'm a member of New Life Church in Cabot. And uh, I think you're going to find what she has to say of interest. Because right now in our nation, we got a lot of people living in fear. And that's not good. It just isn't good at all. And with that said, let's go to the Facebook page of New Life Church in Conway. In my life, I've always thought of myself as like a pretty mellow person. I'm pretty steady in my thinking and I always had this sense of peace, even in difficult times. And then I became a mom. Everything changed. At the same time, we sold two houses in a year and combined we had five contracts fall through before they were sold. Then we built a house and had a pretty, pretty serious health care with my husband. So through that time, that sense of peace that I had always had, it was stripped away. And what I was left with was true anxiety. I was consumed by thoughts of what if, what if, what if, what if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? And through this time, God has really had to walk with me through this process and is still walking me through this process. And this is what it would look like for me. My mind would spiral out of control as it does. And I would just be going through them all. The list of what ifs, what if, what if, what if. You know, what if something is wrong with my son? What if something ever happened to him? How would I live through that? How would I walk through that? And God began to ask me, 
what if, Ellen, let's confront that fear you have. What if something were to happen to your son? Would it change who I am? And I had to say, no. Would it change my promises for you? And I would say, no. And through this time, my thinking began to shift from what if to even if. And can I tell you, it's life changing. This is what even if thinking could look like for you. Even if you get that diagnosis, he is still the healer. Even if your spouse was unfaithful, he is still faithful. Even if your finances are depleted, he is still your provider. Even if your mind is gripped with depression, he is still the God of joy. Even if the worst happens, he is still God. And what if thinking, it paralyzes us with fear of the unknown. But even if thinking, it stares down that fear. And it says, I may not know what is coming, but what I do know is that my God is good and his word is true. And circumstances are going to change, but he never will. And we have to get a hold of this because an anxious mind cannot think clearly. But a mind at peace is strong. And when you change to even if thinking, you don't ignore reality or become unaware of the possibility of trial. But instead, you remember that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Can I tell you how real this is to me right now? I was telling Michelle earlier, it's like I had finished this little idea and I put like a little bow on it and put it on the shelf like lesson learned. And then Wednesday, I got a call that my dad was taken to the hospital because he wasn't feeling good. And by the end of the day, he was in ICU with liver and kidney failure and a room full of doctors telling me a bunch of stuff that I don't want to hear. There it is, you know, my nightmare is staring me in the face. And sometimes I feel scared and angry and sad. But the thing that I feel constant in it all is peace. It truly goes beyond understanding when you know that even if he is still good, we can trust him with our lives. We can trust him with the unknown. And I want you to think right now that thing you're just really afraid of. That thing that you're scared of. And I want you to hand it to him. Because when you give it away, he is going to give you something in return. And it is going to be peace that goes beyond understanding, y'all. It is available to us right now. So I want you to stare down that fear and remind that fear who your God is. Amen. So I think it's clear. We can stop right there. That's such a, a good testimonial for all of us at this time i mean seriously there's so much that we don't know right now there are so many things that are confusing right now i mean who of us ever thought uh, that we would ever see oil at a negative number i never thought i'd ever see that never have seen that the only other time that's uh, that's hap- happened. 
uh, is during the Depression. And uh, there's a lot of things that are happening in our country that probably have you uptight. Well, I'm just going to let you know that the God of the universe doesn't want you to be uptight. He is still in control, and he's going to take care of you. So I, I just wanted to start off with that today uh, and, uh, and and give you some some words of wisdom and some words of um, positivity. And it, it, it's words of faith. Faith is not positive thinking. Uh, you know, hope is something that we know we have because of the God who we believe in. So uh, let's uh, leave that now and, and, and we'll come back and we're going to get into some other things today and talk about what's going on. But remember, even if your worst ideas that are in your head come true, your God is still there. All right, let's get a break in. It's about a quarter after six, and we'll do that right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Elizabeth is with me. Elizabeth, are you familiar uh, with this cash app where it allows you to transfer money uh, from you to somebody else's bank? Are you familiar with that? Not at all. Okay. Do you use it? Well, I've never used it. I just tried to use it uh, the other day, and uh, I've, I'm having some problems with it. And it told me uh, there was $800 that uh, had been credited to my um, account, but it has not shown up in my bank account. Uh. And I'm trying to figure out how to get a hold of uh, the um, the account, uh, the, the the app, so I can, uh, you know, ask some questions about it. So, uh, it's, it's, question: Have you talked with anyone you know who is sending you eight hundred dollars? Yeah, it, it it was sent. Oh, okay, uh, okay, that's what, different. Okay. Let me tell you what happened. The money was sent to me. All right. The okay, money was you know sent. it's coming. Okay. It, yeah, and it told me that uh, the uh, uh, the money would be in my account on Monday. It has not shown up on Monday. That's not happened. Has anybody out there listening right now had this happen to them? And if it did, what uh, did you do? I'm, uh, Which I, app is it? Is it through Facebook or because no, I know they have a method called, for sending money? Yeah, it's called Cash App. I mean, it's I wasn't. I have oh. never been sold on this, but this is the way they wanted to do it, and so I did it. And now I've got all kinds of problems, which I was worried was exactly what would happen mm-hmm. to me because I don't know this app i've never used this app and it worries me that you know that i've got a problem now with it and there's there's a you know eight hundred dollars i don't know anybody else but that's that's big money for me that's not little that's not that's not change uh that's that's uh that's money 
and uh, it's it's just not doing anything yet. Uh, I want to skip that. So I'm I'm looking. Maybe a at listener this. out there knows about and can call you up and tell you more about it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm kind of hoping. I just went to my banking app and it says cash balance zero. Now that could be the case. All right, I'm looking. I'm trying to see here. I see. I'm looking. I'm looking uh, on this, this app, and uh, what do I got here? I'm, I'm looking. Let's just put it this way. I'm looking, and I'm not seeing any cash app. The bank account ending in eight two nine has been unlinked from cash app. That's not good. That's my bank. Well, I was going to say, the big thing is it's got to know how to get to your bank account. And, boy, that's not something I'd be comfortable sharing with an app on my phone. See, I'm yeah. old school. I don't do anything like that on a phone. Well, I just don't. I'm old school, too. I Very old school. They've been wanting me to do this for several months, and I have not done it. And now I'm exactly where I was <laughs> you know worried. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm exactly at where I thought I would be is that there's a there's $800 sitting out in limbo. So if you have used Cash App, if this has happened to you, call me at 823-0965 and tell me if you've ever had this problem and how did you get a hold of these people? Because when we went through it, and they sent the money to me. It said the money will be in your region's account on Monday. And it wasn't there yesterday. So I thought, well, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And it'll be here tomorrow. Okay. And it's not here today. And just now it said that region's was unlinked uh, to my cash app. And so I'm a, a tad bit nervous right now. Because I can use that eight hundred bucks, you know that eight hundred dollars. I can do what it. I do for you. That cash app is located in San Francisco, California, and <laughs> I just sent you an email, Dave, how to contact them. Oh, uh, good. From their contact page, there are some instructions here, but it sounds like your bank account is not connected, so the app can't send you anything. It doesn't know where to send it. Yeah, I have no idea how to connect it. But maybe the folks on the phone can tell you later. Yeah, if there's a that's it. I couldn't Never. find. I looked on the the app. I looked all over the app, and I I could not find a phone number. But you said that you sent me one, huh? I've sent you um, a link for contacting them by phone. It also says here there's an icon on the home screen that you can tap. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> yeah, you touch it. Yeah. It's a little hard to provide tech support over the phone when I can't see the phone. <laughs> okay. Well, hold on. We've got Ken on the line. He He's used this app. Ken, how are you? Oh, great. Hey, I'm, I'm doing good, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a little bit confused right now. <laughs> uh, I've, yeah, this I'll is read. the first time I've used Cash App, and there's $800 sitting out in limbo right now. They told me it was being sent to my bank, but it never showed up. Now, Elizabeth has found me a phone number out in San Francisco where they're at, so I'm looking at giving them a call, but evidently you've used this. Is that correct? Yes, and I, I just want to try to 
you know, it's been a while since I set mine up, but I have used it many years. Um, I play a lot of tennis, and a lot of guys that set up the teams, they want to get paid that way. It's just a lot easier on them. And it's, for me, the cash apps always work. My wife uses it too. And what you got to do is just set up your bank account. And so you give a routing number, which is a nine-digit number usually, and then you give your account number, and you set that up in there. And then when you get the money sent to you, it'll show, I think, in the bottom left corner of the app that you have so much money. Yeah. Then you can click that. Then you can click that, and you can either do an instant transfer, which you know they'll take a little bit out, uh, but you'll get it, or you can transfer it. You know the normal process where it's like an ACH transaction to your bank, and right. it'll usually take about two business days. Okay, see that would be right because Friday the money was sent to me, and it said the money will be in your account on. Uh, is on uh, uh, over there at uh, uh, your bank. It's going to be there on Monday, and it was not, and it has not been there today. And then today it popped up and said Regions is unlinked. So it sounds like I'm going to have to call them, and they're going to have to go in, and they're going to have to get this all linked up the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think from the cash app, Dave, you have to go in and yourself and enter so, in other words, if somebody sends you money over to your cash app, it's just sitting in the cash app at that point, and then you have to transfer it to your bank. Well, that's, that's fine. If, the, if they'll put it there, I'll figure out how to get it to my bank. All right. Okay. Appreciate okay, your call. I, I just want, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that it is safe, um, uh, or it has been for me. So I hope, I hope it is for you too, sir. Okay. Thanks so much. Appreciate you calling in and, and trying to help me out there. Because uh, – I'm not, I'm not good to know of. he's used it and it's safe to use. <laughs> it does say it's one of the top um, 20 you, you know, most used cash transfer apps. Yeah. You know, this is what I do. I look stuff up. That's yeah. the best I can tell you. I don't use it. Okay. Well, so evidently, a lot of people use it. It's got a lot of stuff behind it. Somebody else was calling, and we lost them, uh, their connection. Susan trying to call and letting us know uh, that she's used it and has not had problems. So I guess, did you send that as an email to me? Yes, sir. Okay. I will call them after I get off the air then and tell them what the problem is, and they should be able to find me on their site and we should be able to figure out what is not there that should be there because i don't yeah, re- you got to connect your bank account that yeah that's i don't key, i don't I re- see i don't remember them asking for my routing number i remember well, them asking the yeah. they they asked for my uh my uh, debit card number so i don't know what's going on but i'm going to figure it out and i'm going to get my 800 bucks back so We'll, we'll get that taken care of. All right, we've got news coming up here in about uh, two minutes. We'll get you, get you that. Uh, big news, I'll just let you know that the big news today uh, that everybody's talking about is uh, what's going on with oil. There is so much oil that has been pulled out of the ground that we are awash in crude. Uh, the president yesterday said that he was going to purchase 75 million barrels and they're going to put it into strategic reserve and they'll be able to top the strategic reserve off. Uh, 
this is a really strange thing that has happened. What happened is uh, Saudi Arabia was producing too much. Uh, Russians were producing too much. And they went to pull back and they waited too long. That's exactly what they did. They waited too long. And so now we got a whole lot of oil. Now, I know there's a lot of you who are thinking, ah, this is great news because gasoline prices are going to go down. And they probably will. But let me tell you, as even though the prices go down, the people that are working in the fields to get that oil are going to be laid off. And there's going to be tens of thousands of Americans that lose their jobs. I mean, yesterday I filled up at Sam's over in North Little Rock, and uh, it was a full fill-up. It only cost me $18 to fill up my car. Now, I'm I'm not complaining about that, but still, we can't keep going that way because it's costing more to pull it out of the ground than what it's worth once it's out of the ground. All right. Here's your news. Let's get caught up. Let's check it out. All right. Back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, Elizabeth and I were having somewhat of a discussion uh, during the break. And I I wanted to to get back to it uh, because I had this discussion yesterday uh, with Robert as well. And Robert is a germaphobe. Robert is nervous about COVID-19. And I'm of the opinion, you know, I'm not 100% sold that we're ready uh, to to take on COVID-19. But I do know this. We can't continue to keep the economy the way it is and expect to survive. It, you know, this is very simply this way. Some people are going to get COVID-19. Some people won't. But if everybody isn't working, everybody's going to starve. I'm just telling you, we have got to do some things. I mean, I understand where, uh, you know, the, the governor's at. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, pick which side you're going to go on, Gov, because you got to pick something. you got to either start the economy up or you got to tell everybody we're not going to start it up until, let's say, uh, the, the end of May, knowing that there's no money coming into state government during that time. I say you open it up and you tell everybody you got to have that six feet between you. you. Everybody must wear a mask when they're in the stores or whatever. Have some definite things you got to do. Uh, get the, the testing uh, equipment here, and let's get underway with the new normal right now. And hopefully uh, we'll get uh, some of these uh, antivirals that they're working on, and we'll work and end up finding a... Uh, uh, some way of of you know vaccinating people. We'll we'll come up with a vaccine. You know we just can't sit and spin our wheels. If you keep doing that, everybody's going to go broke. Everybody. This is where I appreciate the leadership of President Trump. 
he has decided he's going to do what he knows he needs to do. He's watching out for America. He's watching out for us. He's watching out for our trade. He's watching out for our health. He's trying to do the right things. He knows. He has to know. The governor has to know this or else they need to wake up. Our media is going to paint whatever the leaders do as wrong, whether they acted too quickly or they didn't act like act quickly enough. Especially, it doesn't matter. They're going to like say, damned either way. And so they just need to. And that's what I appreciate about President Trump. He gets out there and says, this is the right thing for me to do. I'm going to do it. Take your hit. That's what we need from our GOP leadership as well. Now, they're doing better, much better than they were, but they still won't step out and just say, this is the right thing to do. I don't care if I don't get reelected. What's going to happen, I think, is that just like before this occurred, I think people who are reasonable will see the leadership and they will respond. The, the GOP spends too much time worrying about whether they can be reelected. We do need to get reelected. We have to take the House back. We have to get the Senate. But if they do the right thing, I believe the voters will follow. I believe they need to push the message a little stronger. I don't think they're getting out there strongly enough. For example, right now, the Paycheck Protection Program, huge response across the country from small businesses. And there's still a huge demand. And who's holding it up? It's not the Republicans. They need to be out there hammering the point that it's the Democrats who want to add a bunch of extra stuff to this thing rather than take care of business and get it over with and then move to the next piece of legislation and keep moving forward. They want to stop everything up. The Republicans need to be hammering that point right now and getting out there and just making their decisions and standing up and taking whatever happens from the media. The New York and California medias are not the middle of the country. That's not the majority of the conservative voters. Yeah, but here's here's the problem. That that is true. What you just said has more truth in it than maybe even you know. Uh, the media, it's CNN and MSNBC and C- CNBC and all the rest of them are on the east or the west coast. Here's the problem we're running into right now, uh, Elizabeth, and that is. None of those medias are presenting what the president is doing in a positive light. Everything that they are presenting is saying that, look at the Republicans, they're not getting it done. And God help us, a lot of people in middle America buy it. They, If you hear a lie long enough and it's big enough what the gobels tell you they'll the people will buy into it and that is exactly what is happening exactly it is more important now for that messaging to get out there and be repeated over and over by the gop the good things that are happening president trump i watch a lot of the pressers i know i'm sort of a nerd that way it's the best way to find out what's really happening right from their the words from their mouths i don't want to hear someone else's interpretation but the things that we have done to mitigate this situation the immense and wonderful response the fantastic response by private and, and government partnerships 
the things that we've done to mitigate are just absolutely unbelievable. The media is missing out on those stories. They're missing out on the opportunity to give people hope. They're missing out on the opportunity they don't care. to let people see how exceptional they we can be. They don't care. You're care. right. They don't know how we have an agenda. You know that, Elizabeth. We've talked about this they many have an times. <laughs> absolutely. And, 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 and it's right not now, they no, it's not. And they are uh, winning on pushing the agenda, the narrative that they're pushing right now. And it amazes me how many people are, uh, you know, believing all this. Look, I I spend a terribly inordinate time on Facebook and read other people's Facebook pages and read what people are, uh, are, you know, putting on that Facebook page. And I hear, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. A lot of opinions, most of them with no uh, information to back up what they're believing, and they're just buying into it. I got, check this out, I I could play it. I won't play it over the microphone. I would have to send it to Heidi and her play it. People are putting out disinformation all the time. Somebody put out a, and maybe you've seen it, I don't know. Uh, I get a ton of stuff. And this was uh, uh, an Alexa. It showed an Alexa. And mm-hmm. it, it said, uh, listen to this now because it's been pulled down already. And the guy says, Alexa, how did COVID-19 start? And it says, the United States, blah, 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 as though it was the United States government that did it. Now, of course, yep. I went and did it on my Alexa, and that's not what Alexa says. Somebody uh-huh. did that. Has doctored All right? it. Yeah. Yeah, they doctored it up. And I'm just telling you, there's enough people out there that will fall for that, that it will cause all kinds of problems. There's just well, a you, ton of stuff like that. I was ranting about it last night, and Linda saying, well, Dave, you know they're going to do that. And I said, I know they're going to do that. Is this coming from Russia? Is it coming from China? Where is it coming from? And if it's coming you know from here. You know it's coming partly from China. <laughs> if, 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 it's you know coming, if it's coming from here, I think those people are uh, treasonous. If they're posting that type of material. Here's one for you. You mentioned these posts on Facebook with misinformation. Okay. Facebook has started labeling posts on Facebook as misinformation and removing you from Facebook. If you decide that you're going to uh, help organize one of these protests against the lock-ins. Yes. Okay. All that if you are spreading some of this information, now some of it is clearly is clearly misinformation. But the idea of taking down a post or labeling your opinion to redress your government about something you're unhappy about, I find extremely scary. Now, Facebook well, has been engaged Amendment. in this on both sides of the of the of the game. Okay, they're playing the government's game and they're playing their own game and they're they're censoring people all over the place. Well, the misinformation is 
I don't think the answer to misinformation is what Facebook and Twitter are doing. I think the answer to misinformation is actually more information. It seems counterintuitive. People are smart. The more of us who can talk, research, and share information and discuss information, I believe it is much more likely that the truth will come out. When people are controlling the narrative, and I mean the tech companies, I mean China, I mean China and its agents here in our country, they are the ones who are putting out a majority of the extremely harmful misinformation, and we are not able to come to the truth when there is not enough conversation going on out there. There, That's what free speech is all about, Dave. You know that. Yep. That's why I fight for it so know, hard. More speech. That's all right. right. More speech. Take a break. we got to take a break. We'll be back. Elizabeth is with me. Uh, I'm trying to lift your spirits, but I'm probably not doing a really good job of it right now. But we'll be back here in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, so uh, the president has uh, drawn the Democrats' ire again. That isn't hard to do. They hate him, so anything he does, uh, they're going to attack him. The Democrats are now blaming the president for his reaction time, despite targeting uh, the president for his early coronavirus-related China travel ban in uh, January. Go figure. Well, now, president yesterday announced he'll soon sign an executive order to temporarily uh, suspend immigration into the United States in what appeared to be a drastic escalation of his efforts to fight the uh, coronavirus pandemic and boost the economy. The declaration came hours after U.S. equity markets plunged with oil prices turning negative for the first time in history. Also on Monday, three states, Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina, revealed plans to begin reopening some businesses. Quote, in light of the attack from the invisible enemy, as well as the need to protect the jobs of our great American citizens, I will be signing an executive order to temporarily suspend immigration into the United States. Very uh, specifically, sounds like what the president's wanting to do, you correct me, Elizabeth, if you think I'm reading this wrong, if you mm-hmm. cut off the immigration coming from everywhere, then when businesses need uh, people to fill jobs, uh, it will be Americans or Amer- uh, people who are here because Americans want them to be here. <coughs> who will, excuse me, fill those jobs. So uh, that's a way to get Americans uh, back to work again instead of people who are coming into our nation illegally. Does that make sense? I think it makes perfect sense. I have wanted them to stop all this immigration and an excessive use of coming into our country for quite a while. Um, it's one way to make sure that Americans get the new jobs that are going to come back. I'm wondering about all the other ones that have lost their work, and I don't know. There's just so many so many aspects of this. It's back to what I said earlier. Our government, Trump, is directing our government agencies to do so many things and cutting through red tape like butter. You said that the other day. 
it's going to change our entire landscape, okay? And it's going to have, as always, unintended consequences that we're not aware of today, okay? I think our immigration program is probably fairly solid. It is not extensive. It is not huge. There's some issues with visas and work, uh, work visas. But if, if that's the only thing we had going on, but that's only the smaller part of the picture, the larger program is the refugee program. Different, different program. Haven't heard a word about what's happening with the refugee program. Put it and on hold. Maybe it's, almost, been, it's been put on hold. It's been put on hold. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, so we've stopped. We're stopping them at the border. We're not letting illegals come across the border right now. We're not letting immigrants come in, and we're not taking refugees. I think that's probably, you know, when when your family is fighting a terrible illness in your family, you don't let a whole bunch of strangers come in the door and start taking care of them too. You don't have the resources for that. Yeah. You just don't have the resources. My favorite analogy, when you're on the plane and they tell you if the oxygen mask drops down and you're sitting next to someone, a child, you don't put the oxygen mask on you first. I mean, sorry, you put it on you first so that you can then take care of the person who needs to be taken care of. If you put it on them first, guess what? You're both going to go. They can't well, take yeah, care of because, you, you know. Yeah, that's right. They're not going to be able to help so, you. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right, so we got to right, take well. care of ourselves first, and then we'll have – we have the innovation. We have the resources. We are great in our country for working around things. Let's let the people figure this out. We can bring, you know, a lot of innovation to this situation. We can figure out how to handle this, and then we can start letting – people in that are properly vetted that want to become Americans that don't just want to come here for what they consider to be the freedoms without taking the responsibilities. Well, here's the key, and that is the Democrats, the governors who are Democrats, are showing for sure that they're not going to even start opening up their states until June. They hate this president so much that I believe they'll do whatever they think they have to do to be able to push Biden across the finish line. And I know there's a lot of people say, well, maybe it'd be Kumo or maybe it'd be this person. I think they're going to stick with Biden. And they've he's their, gonna, he's their safest choice. He's their yeah, safest choice. You got to push him across the uh, the finish line and. That's exactly what they're going to try to do. Now, people know, look, I, I was reading some uh, uh, some poll numbers yesterday. Forty two percent of the populace don't even know who Joe Biden is. And only six percent of the population know what he said he would do uh, during uh, the pandemic. And only 26 percent are uh, happy with what he would do. Because what's what does Joe Biden say? Well, you see what Trump's doing? I do that too, except I do it better. I mean, that's what well, he, he basically he says. He always waits for Trump to say it first, and then he comes up with this great comment like it's an original idea. It's, it's pretty pathetic, actually. But if you <laughs> circle back to what you were saying about um, sorry, it just slipped my mind totally. I was thinking you got me you got me distracted just like Joe Biden because I started thinking sorry. of all the stupid things he said last week on video. <laughs> yeah, he said he 
uh, th- that ain't he the end of them. He lost it again. Yeah, those those things that he's saying, he's going to say more of, and uh, he's not he's not a you know he's not a good uh, candidate. The Democrats if know the, it, and I know it. If the Democrat governors, this is what I circled around to. If the Democrat governors are going to hold off till June to reopen. Don't you think they're going to suffer a huge backlash from the citizenry? Wouldn't it be interesting if we end up in a uh, an internal fight, let's call it, because their people don't want them to stay closed that long, and that's what they want to do to punish Trump? I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize they say they're going to wait. Those people who but, have those people who have TDS, they are firm believers that anything Trump believes in is the wrong thing. All right, we got to get the news. That's coming up next. Bible Guys will be with us in the next hour. Billy Miller and Scott Stewart will be our guests. Steve can't make it in today. He's working out at the Air Force Base. So it'll be Billy and it'll be Scott and it'll be your questions And we'll see what uh, they have to say about what you've asked. All that's coming your way when we return after the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. question bible guys at salem lr.com bible guys at salem uh, com. look i understand there are a lot of people and a lot of christians in fact that are concerned about covid 19 uh you're you're seeing an invisible enemy it's attacking us physically, it's attacking us mentally, and it's uh, attacking us financially. And we all have to figure out a way uh, to deal with it in our own lives. That's why I still have, I played that piece today from Ellen at a women's meeting uh, on my show at the first hour talking about what if, what if this happens, what if that happens, what if, what if, what if. 
and changing your mindset to even if, because yeah. Yeah, you have a God, or at least the God that I worship is incredibly powerful. He takes care of my every need to make sure that I eat, have clothes to wear. If I get ill, he takes part in making sure I get well. Um, that 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 is solid hope, folks. It's not it's not believing in something that um, is out there in you know a piece of pie in the you know by and by. We're talking a God that intervenes in our world. And, and if I can get you to leave my show today with anything, is as Jesus and God said 365 times in the scriptures, fear not. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Scott and Billy, when we start fearing, what we're literally saying is God can't answer. At that point, God becomes mute. He becomes neutered. He doesn't have the powers that we say we believe. So it, it really comes down to, do you believe or don't you believe? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're right, Dave. The you know, for us to to um, to to live in life, a life of fear is almost putting faith in the evil circumstance more than faith in God. We're believing in the power of the virus. We're believing in the power of the economic town, downturn. And that's what kind of what fear is when you're believing the opposite of what uh, of what truth is. You know, there is truth in the world. That the truth might be you're sick in your body. That might be true, but the truth is you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. And so you, we have to allow the, the truth of the Word of God to trump any temporal truth that might be out there. And actually, the Scripture does tell us, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And I think we need that sound mind right now as we're going into a lot of uncertainty uh, in the world, but it requires that we stand against the spirit of fear. And if there's one thing that is pervasive out there, it is the spirit of fear right now. And we have to stand against it and to, to declare our faith in God, which provides us our strength and our freedom from fear. Yeah, Billy, are you talking to people about this? Are you hearing this from fellow believers that you can, there's chinks in their armor, so to speak? Yeah, I, I mean, I think all of us are prone to, at times, um, to, to think with the carnal mind, right? I mean, we, we there are facts out there that let's let's face it, there are there are numbers, there are statistics, there are things we can go and see, um, and, and it can be real easy, particularly in a culture that um, is in the first world these days, where science and and statistics and math they'll all these things are are, are kind of a, a part of our our youth and the way we grow up and we're taught to trust these things and um we we see the numbers and we hear the science and our uh, intellectual brain can accept that uh without 
relying on our spirit at times. So I think everybody is prone to having those moments where they where they hear uh, the numbers or they hear uh, some doctor's opinion, and we instinctively jump with our carnal mind without without backing up at times and going, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, wait. There, there's a bigger truth here. And and um, yes, I'm I'm talking to folks and and having to remind them the, the same thing Scott just said. Hey, look, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter what is going on in the world. Um, we are not truly fighting a, a fleshly battle anyway. We, we know that. We know that Scripture tells us that's not what we're battling against. Uh, whether this is a, a natural disease or something that came out of uh, uh, that laboratory, as it now appears, uh, is probably true, uh, or if this is a, a spiritual thing and, and part of the, the things we will see at the end here, um, it, it simply does not matter. My God still sits on the throne, and he is still in control at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Twelve minutes after uh, seven. Any other words of, of uh, power that you want to speak to f- our fellow believers out there, Scott? Yeah, I think it is in, the, in resting in the peace of God. You know, um, Jesus is the one who we know we, he has the title of the Prince of Peace. Uh, he's the one who spoke to the, the storm and the waters uh, calmed down. I would encourage everybody to use the authority that you have in the name of Jesus and begin to speak to these storms that are in your, in your life. We have to remember that we have been given authority in this earth through the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, to to subdue and to take authority. And I, I want to encourage everybody, you're not meant to be run over by this thing. You're meant to run over it and to assume your position in authority and resting in the peace of God, that, that Sar Shalom, that means Prince of Peace, that, that Jesus has. Everywhere Jesus went, he created peace. When there was a railing demoniac, peace came. Whenever there was a storm in the water, peace came. Wherever he was at, peace followed him. So uh, as we're following Jesus, we should have an overriding sense of peace in the midst of the storm. Actually, the Bible says if, if we keep, if our, if our mind, he will keep us at perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. If you're living right now and you have all kinds of worry and fear, you need to check where your mind is at. Because if your mind is stayed Amen. on him, he will keep you at perfect peace. So make sure that all the news you're reading, all the reports you're hearing, uh, if they ever begin to cause you to become stirred up or anxious or causing a storm in your emotions or your mind, that should be an indication to you your mind is not stayed where it needs to be stayed. If you stay your mind on him, he will keep you at perfect peace. The Bible says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. So we have a huge resource of peace available to us. We just have to make sure we feed that peace and starve our fears. Yeah, you know, and and you spoke of uh, Jesus speaking to the storm, uh, peace be still. Uh, And we read that as a single statement, Jesus speaking to the storm, peace be still. But I'm not sure that that wasn't actually two statements. I'm not sure that the first statement wasn't meant for the apostles, be at peace. And the second statement was meant for the storm be still. And and if we will if we will accept it in our lives that way, the first statement to us from the Messiah is peace. And then for us also in the storm, be still. Amen. Good word. All right. When we come back, uh the Bible guys will take their first question. 
this is what does the name of uh, Jesus being in maybe is it an English version of uh, the name Zeus uh, we'll take a look at that when we come back that's our first Bible question today if, if you have one send it to us at Bible guys at Salem LR dot com more coming your way in just a moment all right our questionnaire says i was listening online the other day and i heard something about the name of jesus being an english version of the name zeus have you heard of this and what do you make of it i know jesus name is really yeshua but could there be something to this and if so uh, should we not use the name Jesus at all? I really hope this doesn't sound stupid. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is this is bad linguistics, uh, but the the linguistics a much more uh, expert linguist is on the phone. So I'll let Scott deal with that. How's that? <laughs> okay. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, th- yeah, this is a common. Uh, first of all, it's not a stupid question. If you, if you know, if it confuses you, then you need to ask the question. Um, Amen. So, so it's not stupid. Um, but th- this is a, a a very common problem that people who don't understand how language works, um, and they just kind of hear things how they sound similar in English, and they automatically uh, assume there must be some type of connection. Um, and when people who are looking to discredit Jesus, they typically will, will try to go to things like this. But, you know, if I use the word bored, I said bored, um, and I just told you, to, if I just said, I want you to write on the, on the board, I want you to write on, this, uh, on your computer, spell the word bored, um, you wouldn't be able to do it because you don't know if I mean bored as in a piece of wood or I'm bored from sitting here. Just because two words sound just the same does not mean they have any relationship to each other whatsoever. And even though bored as in a piece of wood and bored being, uh, you know, bored from a situation, although they have letters that are similar, B's and D's, they, they don't have any relationship to each other. So just because words sound alike, they're called homophones. And so just because they have a similar sound doesn't mean they have any relationship to each other. And if you actually take Jesus and and Zeus and put them back into Greek, the word, they have even less letters in common than they do when they bring them over into English. And I'll also be clear on this, the spelling of the word Jesus and the spelling of the word Zeus, that is their English equivalent. So you can see, because I think the question said, you know, is, um, is Jesus the English version of Zeus? No, uh, because both Zeus and Jesus, that is their English equivalency. So if you put them back in Greek, they have even less letters that are like each other. But like the, like the writer said, Jesus' real name is Yeshua. So really, Jesus is really a non-factor when it comes to the actual name of, of Jesus, uh, because it would be Yeshua. But the English version of Jesus and Zeus is just that. And you can see the difference in them. Um, one starts with a, with a Zeta or a Z, and one starts with a a J, two very different um, letters. So, no, there's no connection between the two. It's just a, a someone who doesn't understand how the linguistics would actually work there. All right. Got another question for That'll you guys. 
Let's get that in as quickly as we can. Uh, dear, dear Bible yeah. guys, do any of you believe that calling this virus the Huan virus or Chinese virus is racist? How does Mr. Ellswick feel about that? For the life of me, I just cannot understand how anyone can make something out of what feels like nothing. Maybe I'm missing something here. So if you would give me your take, I would appreciate it. So let me give my take on this uh, for our questioner. And no, you're right. Uh, This is not a racist statement. The uh, virus started in Wuhan in China. So to call it a Chinese virus or to call it the Wuhan virus is to do nothing than to identify it in the area that it was discovered. And as far as I'm concerned, there is no uh, racist connotation to that at all. So I'll let you guys deal with that if you'd like. Hey, Dave, I, uh, I just got back on. I think I dropped off the show. Um, no, okay. Yeah, just, Same happened to me. I just, I just looped back in and called, so I don't even know if you guys heard my answer. Uh, no, I, I didn't. I did not hear what you had to say, uh, Scott. I answered from my perspective that it's not racist, uh, but, uh, you know, some Sorry, people. Racist? I don't yeah, know. That well, the Wuhan, the Wuhan virus, oh. is oh, no, not. I'm, that's I'm, I'm not racist. No, okay, that's I'm, not racist. Yeah, I didn't hear that question. I was talking about the previous question about Zeus and Jesus. I don't know. If, I think I dropped off in the middle of my answer back there. Nope. Nope. We got oh, all did. your answer on that. Oh, you did? Okay. Okay, great. So what's this yeah. question again? Can you read it, please? I didn't, sure. I didn't hear it. Do any of you believe that calling the virus the Wuhan virus or Chinese virus is racist? How does Mr. Ellswick feel about that? For the life of me, I just can't not understand how anyone can make something out of what feels like nothing. Maybe I'm missing something here. So if you could give me your take, I would appreciate it. And I told okay. him, yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to turn a mountain from a molehill. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah, I, w- I, would, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I've actually seen video clips of um, newscasters who they were all calling it the China or Wuhan virus um, for, I think, several weeks before they started accusing Trump of being a racist for using that same phrase. Yeah. I think there's a lot of hypocrisy going on there, too. And, and that's what it is. It's a whole lot of DTS is what, is what it is, or TDS, Trump derangement syndrome. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't we, don't we use words like that? I think, I think the... Um, I think the the uh, the old um, back in the '60s wasn't there a virus called the Hong Kong flu or something like yep. that, and then we have the something called the I think MRSA stands for Middle East Respiratory. So we have we we always tag viruses with the name of the place they came from. It's just typically much much to do about nothing. It's just a way to yeah. to create division and strife. And the Bible says that that God hates. Um, discord among the brethren. I think this is just a way to sow discord into the, this to sow uh, dissension. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. And uh, look, uh, back in 1903 or 1913, I always... 1917, Spanish nine, flu. Is it, okay, yeah, it's the Spanish flu. Right. Uh, you know, it's not a... Not uh, something new. 
Yeah, it's not a, a mentioning of something saying Spanish people are bad. That's not what we did. It's to tell you where it came from. That's yeah. exactly what it was. What wasn't uh, wasn't SARS? Didn't SARS SARS stand for um, South Asia something or that? I mean, it, it has nothing to do with with racism. Why why is it, Dave, that this just doesn't go away in America? The whole racism thing. Well, because it's the way that uh, the media identifies people. Uh, they put them in a category and. Uh, they say you shouldn't say anything that would make them feel bad about themselves or where they're from. That's causing, you know, bad feelings and, and whatnot. But they have, it's, it's ridiculous. But they, have no prob- but they have no problem saying how bad America is. No, no. How of horrible America not. is. And how, so it's a, the hypocrisy is, is rife. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You're absolutely uh, correct. All right, we've got about a minute uh, and a half to go before we get to uh, uh, Rush at the bottom of the hour. Since we've got that time, would you take that time, uh, Pastor Stewart, to talk about your school and how it can help people understand the the linguistics of uh, of, people? language so that you understand what the Bible is saying. Sure. Um, we have um, we have a college. Um, it's a relig- religiously accredited college um, that will train people in how the Bible was communicated originally, how it was communicated from a linguistic, historical, cultural, uh, geographical point of view. We endeavor not to teach modern evangelical theology it's very much what did a first century rabbi jesus what did he mean when he said what he said and we approach the scripture from the context uh that it was that it was written so if someone is wanting to really connect with kind of first century perspective of the scripture then they can go to americaninstitute.org and they can uh enroll for classes they can audit classes or they can actually take a, a, a class for a, a, a credit, a degree credit, and they can move their way through the, uh, the school that way. But I, I tell you, I've been to, I've been to colleges before and, and so forth, but this, this is really a, a unique thing. It was set up uh, back in the, uh, in the 80s, and it was set up for, by a consortium of professors who had attended uh, um, Oxford and, and Princeton, um, a lot of the... Uh, Ivy League uh, schools that used to be Hebraically oriented Bible colleges. All the old Ivy League used to be that way. All right, we're Scott, to, Scott, I yeah. got to jump in. Can you finish this up when we come back? Thanks. We're out of time. Here is Rush. All right, another uh, question before we do that, though. I want you to have the time to uh, finish up your thoughts about the school, Scott. Okay, great. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, the, um, the all the Ivy League schools—that's from from Yale to Princeton, Harvard, um, Dartmouth, all, all the Columbia—all these different uh, what we call Ivy League schools were all started as uh, Bible schools. They were Bible colleges meant specifically to train 
ministers, and they were all Hebraically based. As a matter of fact, you can go to the Yale University crest right now, and there's not an English word on it. It's all Hebrew. And most all these crests have some Hebrew in them uh, on their crest, or they have a, uh, or they haven't opened uh, Old Testament and New Testament. It's it's amazing when you look at the history. But where these universities have have dropped the ball and left that heritage behind, we at the American Institute are endeavoring to pick up that lost heritage and reinstate it in a new uh, in a new way through a, a digital platform. Where we're teaching now what Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Dartmouth used to teach, and we're teaching it through the American Institute. And that's at AmericanInstitute.org. The classes are very reasonably uh, priced, and I encourage anyone who is wanting to just extend their biblical knowledge, if you just want to audit the class, it's there for you. Or if they would really want to go further and you know, get a degree where they can actually begin to use this in a ministerial way, they can take the class for credit. All right. That's a good thing to know. It also can save you a whole lot of money if you're not worried about the degree. All right, next question. Uh, I heard Dr. Stewart mention during his online offertory speech on Sunday that second Passover is a thing and that he encouraged the people to engage in it if they missed the first Passover. Can he speak to that in a, be, a bit more detail? Then I'd like to know what the other Bible guys think of that as well. Thank you. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, yeah, uh, the reason I brought this up is because um, obviously at our Passover service, although we had a great time with Passover in the parking lot, it all went really well, our attendance was still about half of what it normally is. So I know that a lot of people didn't, did not get to celebrate actually we're celebrating uh, first fruits at that point we call it passover in the parking lot because it passover is more or less a, a week-long celebration at any rate um so a lot of people couldn't participate in that maybe a lot of people didn't even celebrate the passover meal maybe some of them didn't uh, give it a passover offering or whatever um and so um there is something um that was given to the hebrew people called second passover it's on their calendars you go to get a, a jewish calendar they'll say second passover and it relates back to uh when they were the children of israel were celebrating their first passover in the wilderness and there were some men who weren't able to participate because they had they were defiled they had they had uh, they had actually been burying one of their loved ones and so they physically were not uh, in a place where they could celebrate it because they were defiled with having touched a dead body um, actually, the Hebrews there, Hebrew here is interesting because it has to deal with possibly that there was something wrong in, in, on the inside as well. But at any rate, <clears throat> they, um, they weren't able to take it, and they went to Moses, and they said, this really is, is not fair to us. We want to make our Passover uh, offering but we, and, and to celebrate, but we can't. Should we be denied this because of our situation? So Moses went and prays about it and asked the Lord, and the Lord says, hey, listen, if someone has an issue that they can't partake of it, or if they're traveling on a far journey, they can't get to celebrate, or if something's going on where they can't celebrate it, the Lord said they can celebrate it one month later. And he gives a date, and it's the 14th day of the month of Yair, which the 14th day of the month of Nisan is when it's actually celebrated. The 14th month of 14th day of Yair is one month later, this year it corresponds to starting on the 7th of May, and it, he said that, yeah, you guys can celebrate a month later. You still use 
bitter herb. You still use unleavened bread. You still have the, the lamb. You re- basically celebrate it again uh, if you had to miss it for some reason. And so I was presenting this to the people saying, if you didn't get to celebrate um, uh, with us, uh, then uh, we're going to just go ahead and teach a little bit about second Passover so everybody can come together and celebrate on Sunday, May 10th, which uh, actually happens to be Mother's Day as well. But um, So that's what second Passover is. It's not a, really a lot to teach about it because it's exactly the same as the original Passover, just one month, one month later. Okay. So that's pretty interesting in that you so don't great. have yeah you don't have to miss Passover. You can yeah. come back and and do it at a later time, but don't think you can do it at a later time just because you personally uh missed it. it there's there's reasons for it. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Okay, have you, have, so. you, uh, have you heard teach about that before Billy? About second Passover? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, I think this is this. I I have stated on several occasions that this is my my favorite High Holy Day, um, and I think that it is uh, important to note that this is the the one uh, High Holy Day that God made allowance for, uh, yeah. where His grace was extended to say, "Hey, if you miss this one, I, I'm going to give you an opportunity." You know, you, you might be traveling. You you might you know you you went on a journey and it just took longer to get home than you expected, and you're not available to be at the temple during this time. Uh, I'm going to make provision. Uh, God's grace here to, to create provision uh, to allow. Um, the, the members of the community to to still have the opportunity to celebrate. It's it's a it's a beautiful example of God's um, grace to us and how even in, in something that we here in the West might consider uh, not as significant as many other things, God considered it very important and said, "Hey, hey, hey! Uh, not only is this important to me, but it's so important that should you miss it for something that you can't avoid, I'm going to create an opportunity 30 days later for you to celebrate it." Uh, That's great. Hey, so. Pesach Shimini, uh just yep. what a what a beautiful example of uh, of God's grace. Amen. Amen. Love All it. Right. Love it. Was not aware of that. I have learned something uh, today. All right, let's get a break, a quick break, in, and then we'll come back and finish up today's edition of the Bible, guys. Uh, I I want to ask about a uh, messianic uh, preacher on TV. Uh, I think it's on, is it the Word Network? Is there a Word ne- Network? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. There's several out there. Um, okay, well, this this gentleman, uh, Rabbi Schneider, there's, oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of different material out there on him. Some, some call him a charlatan. Others call him uh, a true believer. Seems to me, uh, from what I've heard him teach, he's a true believer. But Scott, I like and Billy, I like both of you. Uh, if you have any information about him, to uh, share it with us here when we come back. That's here on the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one point one FM. The answer. All right. So this rabbi that is on television each Sunday uh, talks about. Uh, you know, rabbinical, uh, messianic uh, belief. Now, I've read several articles about him, and it seems like uh, I I always get the people, I kind of crack up at the people who say, well, 
Jesus, uh, when you believe in Jesus this week, way, you're not a Messianic Jew. You're just a Jew that thinks like a Christian because mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. So uh, right. I, I don't believe that. I believe that there's a difference there. But, Billy, you did a little bit of searching. Uh, is this guy legit? Uh, legit? Well, I, I've I've never personally heard him. I, I am I was uh, familiar with him, kind of on the periphery, um, but don't really know much about him. Well, what I will say is uh, that at least from his bio and the research that could be done in all of two minutes, um, I, I understand why people um, say that you know perhaps he, he's teaching heresy or, or these sorts of because those. Um, those same accusations get leveled at, at us at times. Um, the, the, any of any of those of us who are willing to say, "Hey, look, um, the the death of the Messiah did not do away with the entire Old Testament." Uh, there are people who, just based on that statement, would declare me to be a heretic. Period. Um, yeah. So I, I always um, I'm always a little lenient until I know something a, a little more about an individual based on what I'm, I'm seeing on his website and, and the quick clip that I watched there. Uh, he, he seems to be very much in the vein that we are in, uh, except that, of course, uh, where where we were born Gentile and, and came into this way of walking, it appears that he was uh, born Jewish and, and had revelation of the Messiah, which is, by the way, the very uh, role that Gentiles are supposed to be playing. Um, you know, scripture says that, that we would be brought in in an effort to make the older brother, uh, Israel, uh, jealous of, of the relationship that we have with God in an effort to draw them back to him. So um, if if he is um, a man of integrity, and, and from all that I can see, he is, uh, I think he is is walking exactly the way um, God designed here for for those who have the, the history and have the tradition to also then the relationship with the Messiah. I think when we see the, the things that are going on in Revelation and the 120,000 that will be stamped, uh, we you know, uh, Steve is is passionate about talking about those uh, seeing a hundred and twenty thousand Pauls walking the earth all at one time. Uh, I think th- this man and his his walk are probably a, a precursor to that sort of thing. This is the sort of thing we're looking for. We're looking for um, thousands upon thousands of Jews to wake up and realize who their Messiah is. So uh, I, I have I have nothing but uh, uh, you know a hand clap, uh, an ovation for him having. Uh, not rejected that strictly out of a sense of uh, here's my personal identity and, and I can't have anything to do with that guy named Jesus. So uh, I, I applaud him for his courage. Um, uh, again, though, I have to caveat that with I don't know much about him. So, no. All right. Well, he's been talking about dreams. And uh, I've seen the t- last two weeks. I haven't seen the first. So I'm going to go back onto his website and read. Uh, the first one of his uh, teachings on this. But in the last uh, segment of his show this weekend, he made the the statement, to deny dreams is to deny God. Would you guys agree with that? Um, Scripture tells us that dreams are one of the ways that God interacts with us. So uh, I'm not going to tell you that every dream that you have uh, comes directly from God and is some message. But, yeah, um, you know, if you've had one of, quote, those dreams, end quote, you don't have any doubt about it. Uh, When you wake up, it's like, oh, that was 
That was radically different. That was not last night's pizza. That was God trying to get my attention. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I think I think it's a that that type of statement to deny dreams to deny God. It seems it seems kind of a kind of a broad statement, but um, I, I know for myself, I know God has given me dreams before, and He's communicated to me through um, through dreams. Um, just a quick, uh, just a real quick one. You know, when I was going to uh, to this uh, into this one ministry, and Lord gave me a dream that there was a, a man with dark hair that was going into offices. And every time he would leave the office, all kinds of chaos would ensue. So when I went to the ministry, I told uh, the person that I was taking the overflow for, I said, there's someone here on staff that is causing strife among the brethren. It's a male, has dark hair. I will find out who he is because God has shown me this. When I found out who the person was, I went when when office hours was over with. I went to into his office. I anointed the door of his office uh, with oil, prayed over it, and then without me even confronting the man, within 24 hours he resigned. And wow. so I Amen. know I know God can lead and God can direct through uh, dreams. So but again, you know, if you if you eat a lot of ice cream or pizza, that's one thing. But you'll know when you have a, a Holy Ghost divine dream. You'll know it. I mean, it's not like you have to guess too much yeah. at it. Um, so, so most definitely, they're they're real, and God does speak to us. As a, as a matter of fact, both Joel and the Book of Acts tell us it says that uh, young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. So, if old men dream dreams, I guess Dave, that means you and I are old. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. So, I got a question for you. So, I want you to clarify a little bit. You say that when you have a dream that is of the Holy Spirit. What's the giveaway to that, Scott? What should should tip you off that it really is something supernatural? Well, typically, uh, a, a spiritual dream doesn't let go of you. You know how a lot of times you'll have a dream, and by mid morning you can hardly remember uh, remember remember it anymore. It's, it's faded. It fades very quickly. A lot of times, a, a, a spiritual dream it's so vivid and alive that you not only do you not forget it, you can't forget it. It, it kind right. of hangs on you, and it holds on to you, and it becomes like this uh, a real memory of something that you're wanting to, to search out. Um, it's like when Pharaoh had the dream. You know, this thing was, was real to him. He, he, ha- he, he couldn't let go of that. But uh, I know for myself, if I have a dream, I might wake up and know my dream, but by midday, I've lost, you know, two-thirds. I can't tell you the rest of the dream, but there are times where, like that dream I told you about, about the man going in and out of the offices, I can still very quickly in my mind go back and see that dream in my head right now. So I think that yeah. for me, one of, the, one of the giveaways is it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like it's a real memory. It's not, you know, it's not like I sprouted wings and flew over the house. And, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real living memory that, uh, that kind of hangs and holds on to you. For me, that's one of the one of the things that uh, that I always kind of notice. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and I was going to note the same thing. They uh, dreams uh, when when we're having quote regular dreams, uh, they they tend to be two things. They tend to be ephemeral, meaning that they they disappear very quickly, and they tend to be fanciful. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm running through the forest, but I've got giraffe legs, you know, or whatever. Um, <laughs> when, when it is a when it is an act of the Spirit, uh, both of those things are not true, um, or neither of those things are true. Uh, they, they tend, they are, they are very grounded. Um, they are, uh, uh, and again, as, as Scott just said, it's, it's more like 
uh, a, a memory all of a sudden, having had a, a memory that is not part of our memory. Uh, that's kind of an odd statement, but it's it's not so much – it doesn't feel like a dream. And, and it's, I know that that doesn't give a lot of detail, but it simply does not feel like a dream. It feels like, oh, I, I've had a conversation with someone or uh, I've, I've had this – this thought shared with me. Um, and, and that's really the way I think of it. It's, it's not so much a dream as God going, hey, let me share something with you real quick. Yeah, it's it's a unique experience. I will say that uh, I, I've had just one particular dream. It's happened twice now, and it did not uh, move to the left or to the right. It was the exact same dream. And when I when I dream, I I can tell you I can't remember when I wake up, you know, what the the dream was about. Nor can I can I look at it and it it, it looks like you know really weird stuff uh, happening you know, in my dream. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the reoccurring dream. That's also a good indication as well. And I'll throw this out here really quick because I know we're running low on time. I shared this with my church a couple of weeks ago, but. Um, over the past 18 months, two years, I have had a reoccurring, reoccurring dream. I've had it three, if not four, different times. And it, it was really weighing on me. I can still see it in my head. And it was me standing at my pulpit preaching to almost an empty uh, auditorium, only a few pockets of people in the whole auditorium. And, and I wasn't really sure. I wrestled with it. I shared it with my wife. I shared it with another pastor friend. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, is God telling me the church is going to split? Is God telling me the church is going to fall apart? Am I going to lose the congregation? And it kept repeating. And every time I would have the dream, it was the same view of the people for the most part. But I was standing at a different position on the platform and not really understanding it, but continued to meditate over it. And then, Dave, Billy, the first Sunday I stood on the platform and preached during the coronavirus I looked out the congregation, and it was completely empty except for a couple of pockets of people. And I said, this is the dream. The cor- God was uh. telling me that this was coming, and it's going to be okay. This, God was trying to let me know this is going to be a reality for you for a while, but it's going to be all right. And I had this dream, like I said, at least three times. And so now I'm really meditating. Is this three, this number three, is it like, is it like the Pharaoh's seven cattle that he saw? Is this going to be a three-month deal? Is it going to be a three-year reality? I'm not sure yet, but what I do know is this, that the dream I had repeatedly, we're living in it right now, and it's going to be okay. Interesting. All right, we're out of time, uh, Scott. Tell everybody where they can come to church today. What is your address online? They can go to aclr.org. And they can watch us online this Sunday. They can download our app. It's just Agape Church app in your Apple Store. Store. All right. There you have Billy. Thank you for joining us as well. Yes, sir. We'll take a break for a week, and then we'll reconvene right here with more of the Bible Guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
right, back for the uh, final hour of a Tuesday show. We're going to be uh, joined by Dorcas Van Glees. She is the person who heads up the Dorcas House here in uh, Little Rock and the Nehemiah House in Little Rock. And, uh, you know, we all think about what it has it been like for the folks who are uh, just without a job right now. Uh, we might should be calling and talking to Dorcas today about people who have been displaced uh, because of uh, uh, ladies at the Dorcas house because her husband beats her or uh, somebody is at the Nehemiah house because they don't have a place to stay. And I didn't even think it as I looked at at uh, Dorcas's message to me that uh, they really have to be concerned in the Nehemiah house because a lot of their clients have severe immunosuppression uh, of, of uh, their bodies. They may be been treated for cancer. They may have a, a different treatment going on. But the bottom line is that uh, this is something attacking their uh, immune system. And uh, he, she mentions in here one lady, which I would assume is over at the Dorcas house, is yes. taking chemo for stage 3, three uh, breast cancer. So uh, this has really thrown you into uh, a... Uh, uh, I don't know. I guess it's it's really thrown you guys for a, a circle right now in the Dur- yeah. uh, Dorcas house and, and the uh, Nehemiah house. Dorcas, thanks for joining us today. And talk about some of the challenges that you all are facing. Ooh, well, um, I think I'm, I mentioned to you in text yesterday that My husband was the only one that I personally know of that started predicting this back in December. And um, by January, it was to the point that my family was like, if you talk about coronavirus one more time, we're all going to punch you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But my daughter even asked me, like, Mom, why did you start really uh, believing him? She asked me that this morning. And I said, well, it's because I, I started remembering that during the swine flu and bird flu and all that stuff, he never got... He never got, you know, concerned about any of that. Never did. Um, but this is one that he was concerned about way back. And even by January, had us make a family plan. And um, by the end of January, he was insisting, I have a plan for the Union Rest Commission. How are we going to function? What were we going to do? And so he and um, I also had a staff member, um, Kelly Albee, who's married to Dr. Mark Albee. He had a lot of input also as far as really putting into place things because we already knew, um, like we have a staff member that lives on site that um, has had some really severe health challenges. Um, uh, we've had we had two people at the Dorcas house on oxygen at that time. Um, then we had um, this lady who had just started doing chemo. Um, when, when clients come to us, in general, they're always going to have, their health is going to always be much more fragile as a population than the general population. Because you're talking about people who um, have either uh, been in addiction and 
So, you know, when you're in addiction, you're not really trying to take good care of your health, clearly. <laughs> um, that's not what's on your mind because what they do is so bad for their physical health. Right. And then on the other hand, if you're in domestic violence, like this lady with breast cancer, she had known uh, for, I think, a, a year or two that she probably had breast cancer, knew she had some pretty severe lumps in her breast, but her abuser did not allow her to go and get it checked out. And so we see that a lot, too. And so when they come to us, whether they've been there, you know, a week or they've been there, you know, a, a month or two, and then they'll bring these issues up to us like, hey, I was told a year ago that I needed to see a renal specialist and never saw them. And we're always like, well, now you are. <laughs> right. Because our goal is number one to always, you know, our goal is to have them independent when they leave us. So whether that means paying off all their fines or making sure they're in good health. I mean, those are all things that allow you to be independent. On the other hand, let's say we've had um, more often times than I would like for it to happen, but many times we've had clients who have found out um, they're dying. And mm. still, our goal is to keep them with us as long as we possibly can. Um, our goal is to not have them die alone. And so whether that means bringing in home health, um, which, again, is not it's not typical for a shelter. Um, we're one of the few shelters where people get to stay there all day, every day, even when we're not in pandemic. And um, and that's because they're all, you know, in programs. But these but like, for instance, we've had a lady who was in hospice and, and she had said to us in a meeting, like, I just I want to be honest with you that I don't think I'm going to be able to take part in the program. And all of us were like, I, I just said, I don't know if anybody else is expecting you to, but I certainly wasn't. So if anybody was, let's talk about it. Um, because that's not our, our goal is not to make sure you finish our program. Our goal is to make sure you, you, um, we take as good a care of you as possible and that you um, leave us um, you know, as healthy as possible. And so if physical health is not possible, then at least then let's work on emotional and spiritual health. And so knowing that we had these people in our, in our facilities, and again, we're not, this is not a typical thing that facilities do, um, is that for us uniquely, we felt like it was paramount that we first um, really guard the people that we already had. When people come to us, we believe that God sent them to us. And so it was, we felt like, okay, so we need to steward them well during this season. And so our plan, which was uh, kicked off Friday 13th, um, the Friday after we had patient one in Pine Bluff, and um, was really in place by that following Monday, was to have both facilities basically on pretty much complete lockdown, as in uh, volunteers are not coming in, staff is not coming in. The only staff that's really there is the staff that lives there. And we do have staff right. that live at both, at both places. But any of the senior staff, because I, it's not just because it's a risk to the, to the staff to have interaction with them. It's a risk to the clients for the staff to go home and then to keep coming back to the clients again. Um, and then um, just adding measures. I said, like, how do we take donations? Um, if it's frozen foods, they're dropped off, um, they're wiped down and taken inside and put right back in the freezer. If right. it's for refrigerated foods, same type of thing. If it's anything else in general, there's a box truck in the um, out in the parking lot. It's um, put in the box truck. It's left there for 24 hours outside. Then it's sprayed, sterilized, wiped down, whatever, brought inside, sorted, and um, you know, work with as far as with gloves, mask, 
And so all of these measures um, have kept our clients safe as far as nobody's gotten it yet. Um, I want to say knock on wood, Lord willing, yeah. um, they won't. But they, but as you know, um, Night on the Street is our biggest fundraiser every year. And yeah, it was you scheduled. make about 70 grand with that. Right, exactly. And we only have two fundraisers in the year. And it, that's, yeah, by far the biggest one. It makes, you know, five times as much as any other one, maybe four times as much. But anyway, and it was, obviously we had to cancel it. Um, it was scheduled uh, March the 19th. Wow. <laughs> and so it just was not possible at all. And it, has um, it, Have you canceled it or have you delayed it? Postponed. <laughs> I would say we, we will try to do it again. Um, we, we will, what we'll probably do, um, again, we, we want to go forward even when we're back to normal, quote unquote normal uh, life, um, you know, in a few in a few weeks, in a month or two, um, we want to go forward knowing there could be a resurgence and keeping a lot of things in place. For instance, when our clients go into homes um, to do pickups for um, donations, we uh, and that's generally our guys, and they're usually picking up furniture. When they do that, we want them to always wear glass, masks and gloves now and just mm-hmm. have that just that's what we do, you know. Um, but that being said, we also want to kind of keep some of those things, like as in what we've talked about is doing that on the street for a while, um, taking it to places instead of the, everybody coming at once. So in other words, let's say a school wants to say, yes, we want to do a night on the street. We will bring this to you. So it will just be your school um, in your gymnasium, and we will provide everything. Does that make sense? That makes a whole lot of sense. And we got to get a break in here, Dorcas, and as we come back, I'd like you to talk. You, you guys depend on a lot of uh, volunteers. Uh, yes. How has this affected you as far as volunteerism goes, and what are you looking to do in the future? And uh, we want to let everybody know that you're not taking any new clients right now. With all that right. said... Dorcas will come back and join us to talk further about this here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing. They're ready to take care of you with your roof. Take that off your your worry list. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, they will not uh, come to your house to meet with you. They'll do it over the phone or on uh, the internet so that you can keep your social distancing going and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, But, uh, you know, we've had some nasty weather in the past that has caused some uh, roof damage, uh, wind damage, and uh, PI roofing has always been there for you when any of that happens, when you have straight line winds. I mean, that those winds that we had out in Pine Bluff, I think it was a week ago, were 80 and 90 miles an hour. Blue trees down on top of houses and all kinds of things. Don't forget to contact PI Roofing for their help. Last thing you need is to have them uh, have your roof on your mind. They don't want you to do that. They want you to know they'll take care of it. Just give them a call. It's 707-5331, or call them uh, or check them out on their website, pi roofing 
Com. 22 minutes after 8, we've got about another 8 minutes left here with Dorcas from the Dorcas House. And there's a lot of things that when we get locked down in something like this with the COVID-19, we forget about our nonprofits. And with that in mm-hmm. mind, uh, you were saying to me during the break, uh, Elizabeth, that Dorcas uh, has done the proper job in getting their uh, their their nonprofit ready for uh, what's his. Trying to, uh, as a professional, going in and working with companies on what they need to do to prepare ahead of time, is is a fairly difficult uh, endeavor because they don't see a direct bottom line result. You know. And it costs mm-hmm. money many times to take mitigation steps. In this case, I'm sure, uh, Dorcas, with it facing you right, well, early on, your husband was very prescient. But mm-hmm. you knew the thing that was coming at you, so that made, I'm sure, the preparations more focused. However, to, to take the actions that you have taken, you guys, it, it demonstrates such a great understanding of your mission, uh, how best to protect the ability uh, that you have to, to support your clients. It's interesting. And you say that they're doing better than you would have expected, maybe? <laughs> yeah, not right at first. But as we've had staff meetings, you know, via Zoom, uh, different things like that, different apps to where we can see each other face to face. And we're going to have actually an outdoor staff meeting this week. But we, we as a staff have like, like laughed about the fact that um, it was like after some time went by and people kind of got settled into it, what, they, what we started seeing was them learning to really deal with conflict within the group and between each other um, using the tools that we had taught them but using them on their own instead of, uh, as one person said, I mean, it's, it's like they don't need us to babysit them anymore. And we've seen that happen much more quickly. Um, during this time instead of like that something being that you work on for maybe you know six months to a year and during this time it's almost like you know because of necessity they had to go ahead and learn to do it and so they've actually done an incredible job um, to the point that we've talked about what's a way that we can look at in the future um, at times maybe stepping back and saying we really think you need to figure out how to resolve this yourself without our help Um, and again this is this is after we've taught them the tools but then just insisting they use it on their own. And so, yeah, and I will say we're not totally adverse to taking any new clients, but the only clients we are open to taking are ones that are actually in danger. And because once they come in, and that would be at the Dorcas house primarily, because we do have some rooms that we have saved to put people in isolation for two weeks. Um, We had a lady that got very, very sick. We were afraid she had it, so we went ahead and sent her to the ER. She was tested. She did not have it, but she is still in isolation for two weeks, and that, um, and and only because to make sure she didn't, she doesn't spread any germs she might have picked up at the hospital. And so this person, you know, sh- should they come in, would need to be quarantined. But like we have two people right now that are asking, and we may bring them both in at the same time so that they can quarantine together in the same room. And so those are the type of measures, again, that we're taking, like the lady who is on, um, who's taking chemo, even though she hasn't, um, you know, done anything, but since she has to go out of the house to then get the chemo, when she comes back, she's again quarantined. Um, the other thing is um, 
that we are still using volunteers, but it mostly has to be volunteers that have access to like um, a, a computer that can have the capability of Wi-Fi and downloading these apps and that they have the knowledge of how to use them. Um, okay. I didn't, but I do now. So okay. like say to lead, lead a Bible study, lead a group, um, you know, anything like that. Yeah, it, this has got to be a really challenging uh, time for you. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Dorcas House. Let's talk some about the Nehemiah House. How sure. is it running right now? It's doing really well. So, so we have a work program there, um, and we have the um, – you know, recovery program. So what we are doing with the work program, because we have guys that have a job and, and so they're allowed to still go and work this job, but then they stay in isolation from everyone else. Thankfully, the building is set up to where they do have their own bathroom, but they also take their meals in their room. They put their um, dishes in a, you know, a, a tub of bleach water right outside their room when they're done eating. And, and they're just not in, the, in with the general population of everyone else. And so this anybody who has an outside job lives in just this one room with its own bathroom. And so, again, we've seen them do really well. Um, we have decided to go ahead and let them do some pickups as far as donations. Um, but the way, the way we're going to do that, the way we're going to begin doing it is, is it's only if clients or, I'm sorry, only if donors are willing to put it well away from their house or on the side of the street. Mm. Then they'll go with glo- gloves and masks. They will actually take sterilizing um, wipes and sprays with them sterilize the objects, put them on the trailer, then take them to our Happy Gray stores, um, and then drop them off same way. Um, our two Happy Gray stores have remained open. The the, um, the ones who are working all wear gloves and masks. And, again, this is because the governor has not totally shut it down, um, which, again, I'll just say my husband thinks is a good idea. I'm just going to throw that out there. He thinks he's doing the right thing. <laughs> he's very supportive okay. of the governor in this. Um, he feels like it would be more detrimental to our economy than is necessary considering how we're doing com- compared to other states. Um, and I, I just want to throw in there, too, that my husband, he is the charge nurse at the hospital, um, the prison hospital in Malvern. So he is well aware of the risk within the prison system and is highly concerned. Uh, but that's a whole different story than what's going on in our population outside the prison. And we could talk about that at some other time if you want to. And like I've told you before, you need to have him on because he really is brilliant. And that's, if anybody doesn't know my husband, his name is David Van Gilst. <laughs> but, and, we, um, and we will so, do that, Dorcas, but we're out of time right now. Yeah. Let, let's uh, plan on getting you back maybe next week for a while and uh, finish up talking about Dorcas House, Nehemiah House, and yes. talking about the, the homelessness problem uh, yeah. in uh, Arkansas as well. Thank you very much for your time. You're always a pleasure to have on. And if I if you need me, know that I got a microphone for you. I may have to do it over the phone, but we'll get you on the air. No problem. Fabulous I'd love to work. Come back. Fabulous All right. work. Thanks, Dorcas. We appreciate mm-hmm. you. All right, Dorcas Van Glees who is the head of Dorcas House and Nehemiah House. All right, let's take a break for Sean Hannity. When we come back, Salvation Army is with us, and they need your help as well. We'll let them tell you about it when we return. Here at 101.1 FM, the answer, Sean Hannity is now. 
All right, is uh, Captain Spalding with us, or is it Michelle? Who who do we have on today? Everybody's being quiet, so maybe Spalding. people aren't on. Oh, it is Captain Spalding. Captain Spalding, how are you? I'm ya? doing well. Are you ready to sing your song from uh, the Marx Brothers that. movie? You don't know about that? <laughs> All right. I'm not the singer in the family, that's for sure, but I do like that, that, uh, that scene from the Marx Brothers. All right. Well, let, let's talk about the Salvation Army. Uh, I always uh, say that you all do it right, and you have. You, well, you've tried to to stay uh, helpful to people in times of crisis. You ask people to help during those times of crisis. How much is your giving down at this time? Our giving is down a little bit, um, but what is has affected us more is our services has, have gone up. Our food boxes, since this virus has really hit us, has gone up over 250%. So that's wow. huge for us. Um, so we are, and then in the midst of all of that, trying to keep everyone as protected as possible, making sure that Everyone in our shelter is protected and uh, following the CDC guidelines. That takes a little extra out of us um, and making sure our employees are protected as much as possible. But for those who have lost their job or had hours cut back who were already living paycheck to paycheck, um, they've had nowhere else to go, and so they've come to us. Now, one of those things that has happened in our community is we have such a great and giving community, but... We've had a lot of people not being able to go out and volunteer like a lot of people in our community do. So some of our smaller food pantries have had to close down. So that has put more on us as some of the larger food pantries, as well as with more people coming in because people have lost construction jobs and uh, their day-to-day jobs. And so those food supplies and those paychecks are running out now, and so they've turned to us. And so we try to find a way... For, for our people in our community to give back, because we do have people that still have means and are able to give, but they just didn't know how to do that during this time of, of crisis and pandemic. Well, how many food boxes were you given out a day, and how many are you giving out now with COVID-19 out there? You know, we have three locations that we give out food boxes here in the central Arkansas area. We have in Little Rock, North Little Rock, and then in Saline County, the Benton and Bryant area. And we would do anywhere from, you know, 20 to 25 a day. But, you know, now that fluctuates and can go up to hit up to 50. In North Little Rock, um, the other day before noon, we did 60 food boxes before noon. And and for us, that's just huge, considering not only do those have to get packed, and we have two employees that are there doing that at that time. Plus, all those have to be given out, and all the information has to be taken in. So that's a lot of work, uh, as well as a lot of food going out our doors. Was there a lot of uh, training that had to be done with the people who were handing out the food that... They have to, you know, you got to keep your uh, six-foot distance. Uh, uh, I'm sure you're not going in through the side windows. You're probably going in through the back of the car. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's really unique. Um, uh, North Little Rock has got the most interesting setup, and we're trying to figure out ways. We've had to adjust everything the way it works. 
So the way it works there is actually um, no one actually comes into our building. We have a, a drive-thru where they pull up, they park their car underneath of our overpass, and they come up to our front door. Our front door opens for them. We have a, um, a table there. Um, and in between the table and our person, we have uh, we've put up a, a clear shower curtain to protect, not to have the air travel back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. We put the paper out for them. They fill out the paper for us. And then we put their box in front of the table, and then they're able to take their box in that. So there's not that cross-contamination going back. We have to have hand sanitizer out for everybody. Everything in our building that is touched by either us or by clients is wiped down every 30 minutes uh, with uh, with Clorox. So it's just it's been a changeover like never before. Um, usually when we do our – we have to do a morning feeding at our Little Rock location – where clients come in and, and sit down and have breakfast. Uh, but now we have to do all of that in to-go containers. So we're able to make those, pre-make those, put those out front. They just come in and pick those up while staying six feet apart. Man, I mean, this has been a huge learning curve for you all and uh, even for the people that you're servicing. Yes, it has. It really has. Um, even for things like in our shelter, you know, making sure beds are six feet apart, um, making sure that everything is wiped down, people are uh, are using hand sanitizer and properly washing their hands. But we've had great people come alongside of us and help us out during this time. Uh, for example, Second Baptist Church of Little Rock uh, helped and made us a cloth face mask for our people in our shelter, which is a huge help um, because you know, just like everyone else, how scarce those things were. And we're dealing with a population that doesn't have the ability to go out and find them and buy them themselves or even have the ability to make them. So we've had partners come alongside us and help us out in that way as well. Have they shown you and then you've been able to make some of the masks as well? They have shown us in the past and we figured those out. Um, But before that happened, they were able, they came along with masks so that we have two masks per people per person uh, in our shelter so that one can be washed in the evenings and they can have the other one for the 24 period 24 hour period um, before they switch them out all right you've got a special opportunity coming up for folks that can help the salvation army talk about that some yeah today is called hashtag give from home day um, and so what we are asking people to do is to go to give.salvationarmyaok.org. Um, if they make a donation there, that money comes directly to Central Arkansas. Um, it's all coded by your zip code. So wherever you, you live at, it goes right there. And so that we get that money so that we can help out the people. Like we were talking about in the beginning, our food boxes are up over 250%. So whereas you can go buy a couple cans of good, canned goods, which is great, and, and donate them that way, but if the money comes to us, then we can go to places like our partners, like the food bank and places like that, where we can buy in bulk, get food a lot cheaper, um, and be able to fill those food boxes to go out to the people that are needing those. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and talk more. Uh, Captain Captain Spalding from the Salvation Army is with us right now. We appreciate him joining us. Uh, I know that uh, uh, Elizabeth had a few questions for you as well. Uh, according to Forbes, 96% of Americans, that's 96%, claim their Social Security benefits 
at the wrong time. And if you collect them at the wrong time, that mistake will cost you an average of $111,000 over the life of your Social Security. And this mistake can just cost you big, big money. I mean, can you afford to lose $111,000 on Social Security income? Learn how you can avoid this with a free Social Security analysis from David Lucas Financial right here at North Little Rock. If you've saved more than $250,000 and have not filed for Social Security, you'd be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3115. This free analysis can be done over the phone or online through video conferencing. Again, the numbers are 501-222-3315, 501-222-3315. Uh, investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. A break. Then we'll be back with more with the captain from the Salvation Army. All right, let's finish up our uh, segment here uh, for a Tuesday with the Salvation Army. And uh, this is a time you can go online and give to the Salvation Army right here in central Arkansas. And I'm going to turn over to uh, Elizabeth, uh, Captain, and let her talk about this a little bit. Go ahead, Elizabeth. As I was talking with Captain Spalding on the break, it's an odd URL, so I've put it on your website. It's on the Dave Ellswick Show on the Facebook page, not the website. Uh, hashtag Give From Home, Salvation Army Central Arkansas, and all the money that's given goes to Central Arkansas. Isn't that correct, Captain Spalding? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So um, when, this, when they go in there and give, it's it's um, it's coded by your zip code. So wherever your zip code is, that's where your money goes. So if you're anywhere in the central Arkansas area, uh, it will come right here so that we can use it locally. Okay, that's fantastic. And uh, when you're talking about Arkansas, Oklahoma, you're talking about A-OK, right? Yes, sir. We will be A-OK, that's for sure. I like that. I like that a lot. It gives you something that's easy to grab hold of. Uh, how much money are you hoping to be able to raise here, Captain? I mean, you guys are, I'm sure, behind the eight ball on this. We are. You know, any little bit that we raise is absolutely amazing. I, personally, myself, I would love to hit that $10,000 mark. I mean, the amount of food boxes that we can do with that would be astronomical. We value our food boxes um, for a family of 400 at $45. Um, and what we put in our food boxes is more than what you can get for $45 at a grocery store. So that's that's really good for us um, um, and good for the people that we're serving. When you go into that website, you know, it has some suggested amounts on there. You can always select other and make a different amount than that. Um, this information is, you know, all kept private. It will send you an email receipt automatically. Um, and then you'll put in either your credit card to make a donation, your debit card, or if you're like my wife, and I'm not this fancy, you can also use your PayPal. 
So that's the way you can do it online. It's really easy to do it that way. It would take you maybe all of five minutes to donate online. Um, if you're old school like I am, you can always write the check in and, and send that in to us, um, and we can use it that way as well, and we'll make sure that a receipt gets out to you as well. Yeah, I uh, have to say that over the last few years, you all have uh, embraced uh, this type of giving. Uh, at, at one time, it was very difficult for you all, but you really have embraced online giving now for folks here in central Arkansas. Isn't that correct? Yeah, it is. You know, we're, we were probably a little bit behind on that, and I'll be honest. And, uh, for, for me, it didn't matter as much because my wife tells me I was born uh, at the wrong time, that I'm, I'm much older than, than what I am. Uh, but for, for other people, it, we've made it so much easier. You can give from your phone, you can give from your iPad, or you can give from your computer, which is really good now since everybody is quarantined inside their homes. This is something easy. You can pull up and do that. Uh, make yourself feel better because we have, like, like we were talking, we have so many people in our community that want to give and want to do something but they feel like their hands are tied because they're stuck inside their home. And this is a way that they can do that and make a big impact on our community. You know, Captain, we talk about the physiological and uh, the financial toll of something like this, but we very seldom talk about the mental toll. Do you all do some mental work with people uh, to help them uh, come to grips with what's happening? We do. Uh, matter of fact, if you go on our Facebook page, we have a Central Arkansas Area Command Facebook page, and you'll see on there, we actually have a, a 1-800 number that you can call to get emotional and spiritual care, um, which is really good. We make that available not only for our clients and for the people that are in our shelter and the people who come into our social services, but for anybody who's just sitting in their home. I mean, because if you're in your home and you're all by yourself, or even if you're quarantined with three kids like my wife is inside the house, sometimes you just need to talk to somebody else and just be able to... Yeah, I'm to, thinking to she really out. needs some help. She's probably yeah, trying not. to keep her sanity. <laughs> That's right. At, at least I get the opportunity to go into the office every day and see different people. My poor wife, she's doing homeschooling and trying to do all of her work from home. So uh, that number is great. Um, if you go on our webpage, it'll give you more information of how you can how you can contact um, and this is uh, people who are, who are trained in that and make sure that they can give the proper emotional and spiritual care. All right. So let's go over again how people can uh, easily give to the uh, Salvation Army. And if you would share that information with them, I'd appreciate it. Yes. Um, uh, it is give.salvationarmyaok.org. And it will pull you right up to the web page to give right there. That's the easiest way to do. Uh, when you get down to the bottom, it asks you for either for your credit card or debit information, or if you're uh, if you're so inclined, there's also a PayPal uh, button you can click on there, and your PayPal information will go right in there. Um, if not, if that's not you, if you're not um, tech savvy, uh, you can always just drop your check in the mail um, and send that to 1111 Westmark. I'm here in Little Rock. All right. Keep in mind that the folks at Salvation Army need your support. And if you would be good enough to do that, you can help a lot of your friends and neighbors that are out there in uh, the central Little Rock area. Captain, thanks so much uh, for helping us out here and giving us information. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. You have a great afternoon. 
you do the same. Thank you all so much for getting our information out there. Sure, no problem. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, well, we don't need to take a break. Huh? We're coming up at the end of the show. Uh, I wanted to talk to you. It looks like it's a pretty easy deal to do, uh, uh, Elizabeth. It's not like Cash App, which has given me all kinds of problems today. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You click right into it, right on big buttons, how much money. Stick, stick your information in. You're good to go. As easy as buying anything online. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to look. It's uh, give.salvationarmyaok.org. And it's also on your Facebook page. Today is Give From Home. Make yourself feel good, like, like Captain Spalding said. It's a great okay. thing to do. Give them that website one more time. Give dot salvation army aok dot org it's on your right. facebook page org and you know if you're, say, if you're saying that hey i can't give more than maybe five bucks if everybody five that's listening good. if everybody who's listening right now would uh, go on uh, <laughs> this website and give five bucks it would be thousands upon thousands of dollars, and uh, the Salvation Army would be helped immeasurably. So if you got five bucks, we're going to ask you to give it today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So what do you we're have? Pl- together. Yeah, what do you have planned for you for the rest uh, of the today day? Today is your day. Today is your day. It is too pretty to stay inside. If you want to go, you're able to get out, take a walk, enjoy the fresh air and the sunshine. It will do you good. All right. So, uh, Elizabeth, then you go ahead and have a great day. I'll let you sneak away. I'll take us home here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and I'll be uh, talking to you a little later on, okay? My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you, Elizabeth. Yeah, definitely a good Tuesday. Elizabeth here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She's out in Conway. I'm out in Cabot. Heidi is there at the station in Little Rock. Uh, The uh, captain was at Salvation Army. We've had people, uh, uh, Dorcas, I don't know whether she was in Pine Bluff at her home or whether she was uh, at the Dorcas house. So uh, we're spread out. Uh, and, uh, you know, shaking out of a salt salt shaker. Uh, But we're uh, there and uh, doing shows so that we can get the information out to you. Heidi is going to take us uh, home right now with a little bit of music. I will see you uh, tomorrow in the morning at uh, 6 a.m., and we'll have uh, the congressman on, Congressman uh, French Hill will be with us. Joe and Duck will be with us. A lot of other people will be with us. I think uh, Harding University will be with us as well. A lot to talk about right now, turning our attention to local issues and how you can be a help locally. So Dave Ellswick Show News is next. Let's take a break. I'll see you tomorrow, 6 a.m., right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer.